You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business Women Australia podcast, the podcast for ambitious women who are serious about business success and leadership development, keen to increase their knowledge and skills. So welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia's podcast. I'm your host, Henry Cross, also known as the Podcasting Queen. Now, my guest today says rural Australia has the answers to the world's problems. Join me on today's show is Julia Spicer. Julia runs her business, Engage and Create Consulting from Gundawindi in southwest Queensland. Engage and Create's focus is to support the viability and vibrancy of businesses and community organisations across regional Australia. Now, they work with regional communities on a range of projects with the focus on identifying needs in business and then implementing creative solutions to address them. And Julia's passion lies with small businesses, sustainable agriculture and regional women in leadership. Now, on today's show, Julia is going to share what to do to get the grant. There is more money out there than there are good projects. You know, why you need to consider regional clients. There's 8.8 million of us, says Julia, as well as what getting breast cancer on her 38th birthday taught her about business and so much more. I'm sure welcome to the show, Julia. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Really happy to be here. When I saw the introduction here and that you were from Gundawindi in southwest Queensland, we've actually been there. We've travelled through there ah. uh, around the area. It's a beautiful area. Have you always lived in regional Australia or was that later? I have. On? Yeah, no, I have always lived in regional Australia. I've done some stints in different parts of southwest Queensland, uh, which is actually where I grew up. So I grew up uh, on a family property north of Roma uh, and did my schooling in, uh, in Roma and Toowoomba. Um, I have done my time working in the city and, and living overseas, but certainly uh, living and working in regional areas is, has always been important to me. And what, what do you love most about regional, uh, the regional area? I mean, it's, it's something I'm sure that you only really appreciate if you have had an opportunity there. So for people who may not have had the experience, what is it that has the real meaning for you? Oh, I think um, I think the piece for me that I find really um, rewarding about the community that that we live in, and and I have been able to call multiple regional communities home, is the fact that people actually know who you are. Now that can be a blessing and a curse sometimes, uh, but what it means is. Uh, people know what's happening. People can uh, support you. People can be part of the decisions that you're making. Uh, and I think uh, certainly in times of crisis, we see community comes together really strongly in our capital cities and you living in Melbourne through COVID, you know, there's been a lot of ways that community has come up really strongly in in more um, populated areas. You think about floods when they happen in Brisbane and other, you know, times uh, that's when community comes together in the big cities and they really love it uh, we get to live that every day we don't have to wait for a crisis for that to be the case in regional areas we actually uh, have the opportunity to be able to live that kind of 
close-knit community on a daily basis. Uh, so when there is a crisis, uh, that just kicks up another notch, you know. And um, as I said in, the, in my uh, wording, I had breast cancer a few years ago and uh, you know, my florist, I had so many bunches of flowers and and my florist knew uh, that I wouldn't want all of these flowers at the one time because she knew what was happening to me and she knew that uh, I was going through months of treatment. And so what she was able to do was just to keep a track of that. And so every two or three weeks, I would get another bunch of flowers come through because she would text me and say, that bunch must just about be ready for the bin. I'll send the next lot out this afternoon. Now, I would love to think that that would happen in a more metropolitan area, uh, but I don't know that the florist would know you that well to know what's going on and know that that's the situation, et cetera, et cetera. And so what it meant was I had... Um, six months of beautiful bunches of flowers uh, that got to be spaced out rather than two weeks where we would not have had nearly enough vases for all the bunches that I would have had at home. And I think that for me is a really good example and a good story around the the advantages of, of living in smaller communities and, and how that can really uh, connect people. Yeah. And I think now through having been through the experience here in Melbourne, but I'm sure in other places around the world too, that connection mm. and that camaraderie. And yes, through a crisis, it brings us together. But as you say, let's do that. Let's have that be part of the norm and, and how we yep. approach uh, the way that we do things. And you said, I mean, you, you, there's 8.8 .8 million of regional people and that's why, you know, we should need to consider them. We're using this technology StreamYard today. A lot of the technology that we do have our, at our fingertips now means that regional People, or people based in regional areas can also benefit from many of the, the services, products and, and so forth that uh, are around, not just Australia, but I know that people around the world can watch this too. And I'm sure there's a lot of different regional areas that can certainly yeah. relate. So let's talk about the areas of grants. This is your expertise. Mm. This is really where you where you love to, to support others. Again, let me ask you, is that something that you've always been an interest or had an interest in or is that something that's progressively become more your area of expertise? A little, a little bit of both, I guess, Anne-Marie. So my background's in environmental science. So for many years, I worked with land care and catchment groups across different parts of the country. And it was really around how do we get uh, a group of people with potentially differing ideas to really agree on what a priority project might be and then who else benefits from this project happening and, and therefore who else might help fund it. So there's certainly been a history uh, through other various jobs of helping people access funding uh, and it and it's a gap. There's not lots of, there's not very many people who do this. Um, lots of people who help develop sponsorship packages and things like that. But I guess when I was moving into my own business, you know, nearly eight years ago, helping community groups and helping businesses to be able to access some of this was a really important area because often people know what they want to do um, and they know how much it's going to cost but they don't have the time themselves to actually do the application uh, or, or they think that it's really overwhelming and and I guess in some circumstances it can be overwhelming but I also think that's a bit of a myth that sometimes needs to be busted as well so uh, so certainly when it comes to grant writing, um, there are there are some things that people can 
uh, learn and can be able to do themselves to be able to open up that part, you know, open up that element in terms of a, um, in terms of a business revenue. You know, how else can you get funded? Who else might be interested in what you're doing in your business? And, and what grants might be available for you to actually be able to deliver what you do to more people um, in, in, in particular regions, basically. I love the way that you said uh, there's more money out there than there are good projects. And we know a lot of local governments, state and then even federal too, I'm sure that there's different opportunities where they're looking for expertise to be able to support. So let's dive in a little bit more. Yeah. They're obviously there's finding the right grants and then ensuring that it is a good project. And then, of course, putting together an application that really captures all of the different areas that the funders are looking for. So where are some sources that we can go and look for these grants? Absolutely. So if if people are listening and watching this, um, uh, one of the resources that I would send you to is a business called Indigo Gold. Uh, and the lady that runs that business is Prue Saxby. Uh, I'm not a believer in reinventing the wheel and I don't think anybody is collating all of the grant opportunities better than Prue is doing at the moment. So you can sign up for a newsletter with Indigo Gold. And I got one earlier this week. I think there were 52 pages of grants that were out and available for community groups or businesses across Australia. Uh, and, and what Prue does or what, what you'll find on the Indigo Gold um, website and newsletter is those grants are, are developed and, and kind of put into different sectors. So there's arts and creative industries, there's education, uh, there's work around, you know, uh, grants that are open only for Indigenous people. Uh, there's areas that, you know, what are the philanthropic organisations actually funding across Australia? And so I think sometimes what happens when it comes to grants is people are quite narrow. They assume that the state and federal government are the only areas where people can go to for grants. And, and that's not quite right anymore. Uh, there's philanthropic groups like Foundation for Rural and Regional Renewal, which supports a whole lot of project work across rural and regional Australia. Uh, there's um, there's uh, Country Women's Association, there's the Red Cross, there's Phil, you know the Gates Foundation in America funds projects here in Australia. So I think what we need to do sometimes is actually think about the the breadth of opportunities there are in terms of accessing grants uh, because you're a hundred percent right Amory the the state and federal governments will always have grants available uh, that they're going to potentially run dry at some stage with all of the COVID support that we've all been getting uh, so potentially they won't be as available um, or that or they're not going to have the breadth that some community groups might be looking for so I would be uh, encouraging people to think about what are the philanthropic organisations that may also be able to support people. And then we also hear about angel investment. There's more uh, conversations around angel investment. So who are people of a high net worth that might live in your local community? Or is there an angel investment group in the town or city that you live in uh, that's actually looking to support businesses, startups, uh, particular areas of interest uh, that they may well be the, um, you know, the group that is interested in investing in you and your business idea. So I think our opportunities for, for accessing funding is much wider than we sometimes think about. The next step is then about, well, what do, what do each of those options look like? And so we know if we think about our government grants, often it is um, we will receive 
we'll receive funding. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we sign a contract and receive funding to deliver a task. They want outputs. Uh, they want to know that their money is being well spent, uh, but they'll fund stuff generally, um, as opposed to, you know, an angel investor that might actually want to be able to have a piece of your business. They want to, they want to buy into, uh, buy into your business. So I think it's always really important that you think about what is it that you're prepared to give in this scenario? Because this is all about relationship building uh, and all about relationships. So whether you're building a relationship with a government agency or an angel investment group, uh, they will want something for that. And so it's been going into the, any of those arrangements with them with a really clear understanding of that. Yeah. Julia, you mentioned that you know often a misunderstanding or a misassumption is that there are only limited uh, funding or grants or, you know, fund doors, but you've, you've identified a, a number of different areas that we should be looking. You've also mentioned, you know, to make sure that if we're looking at a philanthropic, read between the lines, find out what it is that they are wanting. When it comes to, to either looking for grants or positioning, you know, the information to grants, Let's have a look at some of the common maybe mistakes or misassumptions that people have so that we can, you know, have that as a bit of a checklist to say, well, look, we know that we don't need to do that. And then we'll move on to something that you know is so important when it comes to putting this together. Let's have a look at some of the mistakes, that common mistakes that you often see people making. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think uh, often this is uh, their mistakes uh, because um, people aren't sure what to do. So, so I always work on the, on the um, saying that once we know better, we do better. I think it was Maya Angelou that said that first. And so once you know how to do some of this, you will find that it is much easier for you to be able to look at it. Um, so let's think about some of the common mistakes that sometimes people make. Uh, and I guess the first thing uh, and the big Thing that sometimes is the challenge is that people actually aren't that clear of their project to start with. They think they know what they want to do, but they really haven't thought it through well. Um, and so we often talk about it being a bit like Chinese whispers. So, Emery, if you had a project idea of something you wanted to get funding for and you explained it to me and I couldn't explain it on to somebody else, we need to do some more work around getting crystal clear around what your project is, what are the outcomes, who's benefiting, it is some of those really basic questions. And we've got a whole lot of templates that people can have a look at for some of this. But I would say the, the most common mistake is people have not got clarity on what the project actually is. They heard an announcement, there's going to be $5 million for innovation coming tomorrow, you know, and the grant's opening tomorrow and it'll close before Christmas. Oh, we'll come on quickly, let's think of a project. And that's neither strategic nor helpful <laughs> because if you're making a project like that, uh, yes, you might get 100 grand's worth of funding potentially, I'd be very surprised, but you actually don't know that that project's not going to cost you $500,000. So I've also seen uh, businesses get a grant that was not well thought through at the beginning and it costs them dearly because they didn't actually ask for the right amount of money to do the job well. And they've signed a contract to say that they're going to deliver this work. So, so this piece around having a very good, clear project is really important. Uh, and the other common mistake that happens is, uh, is a timing one. So you've got a really good, clear project, but you're starting work on that project tomorrow. 
um, well, you should have been applying for a grant probably 12 months ago. Yeah, so the timing piece is often out. And so what we say with clients is you've got a really good project, you know exactly what you want to do, and we agree with you. This is well thought out. If you're starting this project in the next six months, it's not a fundable option. Governments don't want to pay for work that's already happened. Um, uh, and nor do some of the philanthropic guys. So, so it's also a timing piece. We need to make sure that we can apply for the grant, wait for it to be reviewed, wait for somebody to stand in front of a big check, wait for all of these contractual things to happen, and then your grant will come through. Uh, that's potentially a 12-month process. So if you're ready to start your project tomorrow, um, then that's not what we're looking for funding. So what's happening, what's in your business plan or what's in the strategic plan of your business for 12 months time, that's actually what we want to go looking for funding for because that's probably the time lead that we need uh, for, for the project to get, to for us to find the right grant to apply for, to apply for it and then get the get the positive response. Now I'm talking about it from a business perspective and, and some of the sort of $100,000 grants and up if we're a community group and we're looking for $20,000 or $35,000, they have a much quicker turnaround. Uh, but for businesses listening to this uh, podcast, um, your timing and actually planning that out is one of those other common mistakes. Yeah. As you're sharing that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, because obviously the projection is so important and then this very much can become part of your overall strategy, looking at and becoming familiar with the type of grants that are being offered and that are coming up. How long beforehand are organisations sharing their information about grants? Do they typically give you a two or a three-month time period for yep. you to get your content out into application? Yep. So when we work with clients, we talk lots about our Christmas wish lists, right? Which at this time of the year seems completely appropriate. Um, so, so we kind of need to know what is it that they want to be doing? What is the, what's the professional development that they want to do? What's the infrastructure? What's the innovation? Uh, what's the building? What, what, whatever it might be. Um, so we need to know that information because there's either going to be multiple opportunities to be able to fund that all, all we're going to actually know when we're looking at what grants are available, we can go, oh, Anne-Marie was talking about women in leadership. This is a women in leadership program that's available at the moment. We need to send that through to her because that could be what funds her mentoring project that she's talked to us about historically. So um, when, we, when we, work, we work with lots of people one-off, that's fine. Uh, but where we do find it really useful is where we build that relationship with a client over time. Um, and then we know what's on their Christmas wish list and we can be able to be looking for that across multiple um, multiple funding rounds and multiple, you know, funding avenues. Um, I think the other mistake, if I can just list one more mistake, is that people think that this is, um, you know, that this is a quick, uh, a quick exercise. And, and I think we often challenge people to think about it as a marketing exercise. You know, you're you're sending information about your business out to the world. Uh, you don't know who's reading it. You don't know uh, what 
what's you know what people are doing there you don't know how this is potentially going to connect you later so often we will say if we can't do a good job of a of an application we would rather not put it in than put in something and people read an information about oh you know this business women australia you know this is a pretty crappy application this is you know this is not a good reflection on the business you know it's a this is a marketing activity that we're wanting to do so we would be better to hold off and put in an application in a future round where we've got everything ready and we can really you know put all the bells and whistles into an application for business women australia who are a you know fantastic business uh, rather than not do it so I think people need to think about it as a marketing exercise you are selling yourself you are inviting people in to partner with you on the work that you're doing and thinking about it in that way uh, gets people to you know put the energy and effort into it rather than this kind of slapstick we'll, we'll chuck something in and see how it goes. Uh, and similarly, what you were saying before, Julia, when you put an application in and if you're successful, it doesn't just stop there. You need to deliver on the project, the timing, and if it's not complete because the, the project's not complete because you haven't thought about it strategically and you've run out of money, I'm assuming that that then is not their, the funder's uh, problem but rather ours and we need to complete it. So we have to have all of those things uh, set up something else then that that uh, I'm considering as a question I'm sure others who are listening and watching the, even the recording are thinking you mentioned different rounding funding different round of different funding so I'm assuming yep. that there are some uh, organizations that continue to offer year on and year out do you find that as well yes absolutely so particularly if we go back to our uh, uh if we're looking at it in terms of the funding that's available from state and federal government departments. Um, and so again, Oz Industry as a federal government uh, portal would be a really good one to look at. Uh, and I'm Queensland based, so I'm gonna send people to um, Business Queensland from a, a Queensland government department. But they actually have a lot of grant finders. They, they provide a service, governments will provide a service on their website, so Oz Industry does, and so does um, Business Queensland where you can put in your information and they will tell you what grants are out at the moment that you're eligible for from a business structure, uh, the, the amount of the grant, you know, or when it's opening, if it's not currently open. So a lot of the state and federal funding will have rounds. It's a four-year program. And within that program, they are going to have three rounds of funding where there's $20 million available each round for example. Uh, what often happens in those rounds is they might get $50 million worth of projects that they need to, uh, you know, go through, assess, look at, uh, and then allocate the 20 million that they've got for a budget to those projects. So when they talk about them being competitive rounds, that's what happens. But it also means that gives us information. We can go and have a look on uh, the websites to look at, well, what's the kind of projects that have been funded in previous rounds? Does that look like our project? Does it look like it's something that they've funded before and therefore we wouldn't be surprised for them to be able to fund it again? Is it an innovation grant? So often at the moment with the innovation space, if it is something they've funded before, then they might not want to fund it again. So, you know, we need to kind of uh, be able to have a look at what's been funded historically. Uh, and then, and then um, my other piece of advice always is that we want to make friends with people in some of these government agencies. We actually want to pick up the phone and ask some questions so that they know that A, you exist and this is what you're interested in and this is where your business is based. 
uh, because they're also wanting to make sure that they're doing a good job and getting a really good spread of projects across um, the industry or across the state or country. Um, so, so if in doubt, I also encourage people to pick up the phone and ring. They always have a number of somebody to talk to and, um, and they can also, you know, give you some, um, some ideas or some different things to think about in terms of uh, your application. Do you, I mean, this is such valuable information and at the end of the show, we'll certainly give you an opportunity, Julie, to share how people can get in contact with you. I know this is the sort of support that you also offer clients. So we'll ask you in a moment to share a little bit more about some of that support. Because I'd imagine once we identify a particular grant, there are core pieces of information that we need to provide. And then I'd imagine that there's aspects of the, the grant that may be very unique between the funder and, and what they're looking for, what are the types of information that we really should have on hand anyway? You mentioned that look at this opportunity as a marketing opportunity. So there's some core pieces I'd think that we'd want to have really about our business, about our team. What are some of those standard expectations that are required as part of the grant process? Yep, really good question, Anne-Marie. And again, this is something that businesses can start to build and have on hand uh, long before there's a grant application that they're completing. Uh, so let's think about it. D depending on the size of the project, but I'm talking about this from a business perspective, a business applying for grants uh, and, a, and a sizable grant, uh, it's very realistic that they will want uh, you to attach a copy of your business plan. You'll absolutely need to share some information about your financials. And in fact, one that we're writing at the moment, I need to attach uh, two years worth of financial reports uh, to this application. They want to see that I am a low risk uh, for the funding that I'm asking for. So, so financials are something that needs to be included. They want to know letters of, you know, they want letters of support to know that I am a legitimate business and that this work is something that's supported by others in the community. Uh, they will want to potentially see a marketing plan. They absolutely want to see a budget. Some will want to see a project plan and some breakdowns of milestones because that helps then uh, when we're looking at contracts. Um, people want to know that you're meeting legislative requirements. So some grants, and particularly government, um, state or federal, are looking to make sure, you know, what's your work health and safety policy? How do you manage, um, you know, work cover in, the, in your work environment? What are the policies that you have in place in your business? Um, if you're applying for any, um, some particular projects, uh, some particular applications, we'll want information around, you know, working with vulnerable people. We do some work. Um, with the National Indigenous Agency. And so there's a whole lot of um, information we need to provide around working with vulnerable people, uh, the Gender Equality Act, different pieces like that. So again, a lot of that information we have already, we have insurance policies. Um, we can save that into a file on our computer as our grants extra fo folder, whatever you want it to be called. Uh, and you can actually have a lot of that information saved in there so that when you are applying for a grant, you don't have to go looking for it. You've got your about us 300 words that uh, is the same information that you can copy and paste for nearly every grant that you apply for. You've got some people who know that you're likely to ask them to be a referee um, for a grant. So they know, you know, they've got a heads up that you can, um, you can pop their contact details in as a referee for different grants. So again, there is some of this legwork that you can do prior to a grant um, 
being available or open. And that sort of the energy that you spend on that now is is potentially hours, if not days, saved when you actually are putting in your grant application. It can be the difference between you having an extra, you know, 10 or 12 hours uh, to complete your grant um, than other people who hadn't really pulled some of that information together beforehand. So thinking about it in terms of that efficiency piece is really useful too. And as you're listing some of those things, I'd imagine that we'd want to have that as part of our business, our marketing plan, Uh letters of support. We'd want that for other aspects of marketing. And, you know, as you're sharing that, I'm sure people have gone, oh, my goodness. You know, it was one of those, I'm sorry I asked you. But let's twist that and say, you know what, having that available anyway and accessible and developed as part of our business is very important. Having a business plan now, I'm sure you're not talking about a 30, 40, 50-page document, but rather a document that shows that you've given thought. Because if we put ourselves in the shoes of the funders, they want to be clear and careful that the money that they give out is given to organisations that do have a solid foundation and, are not, as you said, they're not going to suddenly crumble overnight because yep. they don't have all of their, yeah, the, the foundations in, in place. And uh, so that's wonderful to know. Now, obviously, there's other aspects of each grant that needs to be put together, but share a little bit more about the services that you offer, because I know you're an expert, you've got a team of experts that support you. So how can you help people that maybe are looking, maybe 2021 is a good year to start to really tap into the funding opportunities? How can you support them? Certainly, if you're a tourism business in Australia, you know, again, one of the conversations that we have with people is, you know, what are the trends on the horizon for your industry? Uh, So have a think about it. At a state and federal level, uh, there'll be a lot of funding around for tourism. Uh, There'll be, you know, people looking at how how can businesses be scaled and continue to function uh, if and when there are any other waves of COVID. So if your businesses um, need any support around that, I would be thinking of your Christmas wish list because I certainly think uh, moving forward that will be a trend that governments want to continue to support. Um, So um, I think in terms of uh, what we want to be able to have a look at, you know, we can certainly help people come up with some of these ideas and we can can send people to uh, different areas uh, for that, I guess what we really have is a, a good general um, cross section of areas to be able to send you to indirect in um, in t- to be able to look at in terms of what you want for your own businesses for the people that are listening, uh, but also that this doesn't become overwhelming. So I've just thrown a lot of information at you in the last half an hour or however long we've been talking, but it really is you know we have a lot of templates, we have a lot of checklists. Um, I've already um, mentioned Indigo Gold, but, you know, it is really important for you to sign up to a few, uh, to sign up to a few grants, newsletters. If you, um, you'll have, everybody has a Regional Development Australia uh, um, board that manages their areas. They are always a really good uh, font of knowledge for businesses. Uh, But I think if people want support, it is absolutely there. We are not the only grant writers in Australia. Um, 
and I think it's about building a relationship with somebody who can come into your business and just support this part of it. So consider a grant writer like you would your bookkeeper or your accountant or your social media person. We are literally another contractor that can sit around the table and support you to do what you want to do in your business. So whether it's us or anybody else, I think think of your grant writer or think of somebody who can help your business like that. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. Um, because the other thing that we find is often we will, people will come to us for a grant and they leave us actually with no grant, but we've helped them develop a business plan. So, um, you know, they're not great. Well, and, and honestly, um, they're not grant ready. I I don't, none of us need to spend time and energy on a grant that we know from the get go is not likely to be achieved. So, so sometimes people ring us and say, Hey, we want to apply for this. And we go, "Mm, they like your chances. Don't think it, you know, you can pay us to do it, but we don't really think that you're likely to achieve. Here's what we think you should do. Come back for round two and then we'd absolutely happily take your money and help you write a grant. (laughs) But at the moment, keep your money and do this, this and this first. So I think it's about, you know, being able to have some of those really um, genuine, robust conversations uh, because this is time consuming. You know, it is a a cost associated to your business to apply for some of these things and we want to make sure when people do spend money, they've got the best chance of return. That's right. And when we think about, you know, some of the other involvements, I mean, you mentioned letters of support. Now, there may be projects that maybe you haven't received funding, but that you show that you really are, in in this instance, community-minded, regionally-minded, because you may have uh, letters of support or photographs where you, you know, as a business, you might have sponsored or given back to the community. All of these things are creating... Uh, a storyline which I think it, it just goes to show you've, you've really solidified your business and you've, you've got this clear direction and all of these things don't just happen overnight so I love the way that you you would say to people look you're not ready yet but look let's start to build this out so that you've got the best opportunity when you do finally approach those funding funding bodies is there a website that we can go to Julia what's the best way for sure. them to uh, yeah, so our website is www.engageandcreateconsulting.com.au. Uh, we also have a Facebook page where we post grants that are open at the moment that we think would be really relevant for small businesses and community organisations. Uh, but the website has got all of our t- uh, checklists. Uh, you'll find a whole lot of resources on there for grant writing. So if you go to engageandcreateconsulting.com.au and then look for grant writing, I think you'll find a whole lot of stuff that'll be really useful for you there. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You, of course, are a member of Business Women Australia. We've had the little banner across the bottom there. So if you want to connect with Julia, please go to her website. She's mentioned that there. And I'm sure she's across the different social platforms too. If you'd like to know a little bit more about who's this Business Women Australia, just go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au. There's uh, plenty of information on the website how you can join. There's different chapters around different states. And uh, please feel free to to reach out and find out more if that's something that you would like to consider becoming a member in uh, 2021. So thanks once again, Julia, for coming on the show. I've loved it. I know that there's such valuable information you shared, and this is certainly a wonderful option to incorporate into our marketing. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Anne-Marie. Thank you.